Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Welcome to the microphones again. Uh, our Erie County Executive, Kathy Dahlkemper. Welcome, Mrs. Dahlkemper. Oh, hello. Good to be with you on this absolutely beautiful Erie County Day. It, it truly is. And the Director of Administration, Gary Lee. Hello, Gary. Joe, always good to see you. All right. So we're here. We're, we're together in, in the, gosh, it's late October now. Um, we still haven't gotten summer out of our, <laughs> out of our you know, with, this, with the sunshine and so on. How was your summer? How was the county summer? I think the county summer was great. We had beautiful weather. We had lots of activities going on. Uh, This community shines in summer. And I say that our summer now goes on to pretty much mid-October. So September was a gorgeous month also. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is when you go into... You know, you, you leave the Bayfront a little bit. You go into the hinderlands of the county. So people are jumping into the corn pits at uh, exactly. Port Farms and yeah. picking pumpkins out in Northeast or grapes. And You know, when you drive, even driving out here to the yeah. station, just the leaves and the beauty. We're just yeah. coming into peak season now with our leaves. So all the leaf lookers will be out this weekend, and yeah. hopefully there'll be some good weather for that. It, it is a, a great place to live for all four seasons. I think so. You know, I mean, I, of course, I love all seasons, and I, I've lived elsewhere. I lived in Texas for well and I really miss the change of the seasons and honestly there's not a better place to be in the world than here in the summertime Absolutely. and in, and I'll say into early fall because it is just about perfect and then we start getting ready for the snow to fly and, and I love that too <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joe we we completed our sixth year for the summer uh, jam yes. for our youth and we're excited the the administration along with uh, Erie County Gaming Revenue Authority and Erie Community Foundation to date, we've invested about $1.5 million. We've seen over uh, 750 students complete the program. We have about a 92, 94% as far as completion. Uh, we're excited. It's a great way to invest in our young men and women. Yeah, and, and I saw that a lot of uh, young men and women came out for the program. Most were chosen, and they were placed pretty in a pretty diverse manner, huh? They were. Um, we're always grateful for all the organizations. Uh, Gannon University does a magnificent job here in insurance, and many of the small businesses, um, St. Vincent Hospital. We had Lecom come, on, Lecom come on board this year, Wegman come on board. Wow. It just was fascinating and outstanding. So we're thrilled uh, that we're able to invest, with our, invest into our young men and women in the uh, county. And yeah, something to put on their resume for sure. Some of the some of the news that we've gotten recently, I, w- I want you to react to. Um, we just received our latest census report for 2018. Uh, we're down 2,480 folks for the county population. 272.061. Any reaction to that? Uh, obviously, a trend that we continue to try to find ways to fight and reverse. Um, what we saw was about three decades of stagnant growth, and now we are seeing this this slight decline. But this is really important as we go into the 2020 census to know we need to have a true count. And um, I'm co-chairing the Complete Counts Committee with the mayor of the city. Uh, we've gotten many of our municipalities uh, investing in putting together a great complete counts committee and we'll be making sure that we have as best of a count as we can in 2020 because that's really where the funding falls and when you think that about $2,200 follows every person so if you don't count that person that's a huge amount of money that uh, adds up 
to significant dollars not coming to our community that goes somewhere else. So I, I say that's never too early to start talking about the census that happens on April 1st in 2020. But these numbers are concerning. We've got to continue. I don't think we can lose sight of what we're trying to do. And, and you've had many people on this uh, show talking about the good things that are happening in our yeah. community and the good work that's being done. That will attract people here. And um, we've got to find ways to continue to attract businesses, but also to bring many people back to our community who may be left. And I've got a good story to say on that. Please. I just had my daughter and her husband uh, with their baby. Three new residents of Erie came back. He had worked here um, and left. They were gone for six years and he uh, is back now working in this community, and they're excited to be back. They saw what was going on here, and uh, a job opened up for him, and, and they said, yeah, let's make the move back to Erie because it is a really great place to raise your family. What field, just generally? He's an he... actuary, so he could get a job anywhere. Absolutely. So he is working at Erie Insurance, which we cannot thank Erie Insurance wow. enough for what they're doing uh, in terms of creating jobs in our community and also giving back. And that was one of the other interesting things that he told me, working for another insurance, large insurance company in Chicago, um, he said, you know, when I'm working for your insurance, I know that that community is giving back to their community, my right, community. Yes. He said, I was working for this other company and that's just going to the shareholders. So he really, I think like so many other younger people of that generation want to know that the work they're doing actually makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he feels that here and he didn't feel that in Chicago. We're talking to County Executive Kathy Dahlkepper and Gary Lee, the Director of Administration. I want to give that phone number out in case you want to get involved. 814-679-1080. We can take a call or a text on that number. 814-679-1080. For a while there, like you mentioned, uh, Mrs. Dahlkepper, we are... We were at like a stagnant growth on the county. The city was losing, but it was basically people moving to the suburbs. Now this these numbers of dropping out of the county, that's the scary. That's the scary mm-hmm. one that we didn't want to see. Exactly. And um, it takes a while to turn the ship, and we all know that. And, yeah. and I really do believe that the work that we're doing is going to result in a change in that, and we will start to see growth again. Um, but um, obviously disconcerting to see the numbers continue to drop. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it's great to hear. You know, we have a, we have a, the same story in our family that uh, one of my nieces and, and her family moved from Pittsburgh back to here. And again, if we keep on having little anecdotes like that, um, but unfortunately, my two grown are gone, you know, and I, I don't I don't know when that'll turn around. But I, I left and came back. There so it's go. one of those things. I actually don't think it's a bad thing to leave and come back because you actually bring that new skill set of uh, working for another company and living in another community and you bring new ideas back to our community. My husband and I left for a while and came back. Yeah. So the, and Gary left and came yeah. back. So there is that. And so the more that we can offer that um, we, people the kids want to come back often, but they don't have a job opportunity. Sure. So that's what we have to continue to work on is to make sure that we have the jobs of the future for them. And so when, as we're moving into more high tech jobs and cybersecurity and, and um, advanced manufacturing, those are the kind of jobs that hopefully will attract uh, our children back and and attract new people to our community. Absolutely. The um, let's, let's talk about, the budget, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold on the break because I think we could just start on this. It's $110 million. Is that accurate? That sounds low to me. That is low. It's 457 Okay, I don't know where million. this number is coming from. Uh, so now um, that's the 450? 457 
at 0.5 million. Well, I think what you're looking at is the general fund. So there's two. So the county has a lot of money that comes as a pass through. Comes either from the feds or the state or through other grants to the county government. And then we are to provide the services. Uh, A big example would be our Department of Human Services. Uh, For example, 80% of every employee's salary is paid through the state in the Department of Human Services, especially the Office of Children and Youth. And then the county pays the 20%. Um, Other departments, uh, for example, like the Public Defender's Office, 100% is paid by the taxpayers of Erie County. So that would all come out of the general fund. You got the 911 call center. A big percentage of that uh, cost there comes the fees that we all pay on our cell phones and our telephones. That comes and helps to pay for that department. So that number, the four hundred and fifty-seven and a half million. That's the whole. That's the whole county budget, which is a big organization. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and then the other number is your general fund, and that's what comes from basically your taxes, my taxes, taxes on people's property. And would you call that the discretionary fund? We call it the general fund. The general fund. Not discretionary. (laughs) Okay. We we do actually have um, what people might call their savings account, their rainy day fund, um, our reserve fund, and we want to have, um, you know, at least a few months of operating expense in there in case something happened. And a few years ago when the state didn't pass their budget, that was crucial uh, that we had that money. And then that funding can also be used when there's a, a special project. For example, the radio project, we reserved um, seven million out of that fund to go to the radio project. Okay. So we reserved that out of this reserve fund. So yes, and and your reserve fund, I would would imagine, indicate your bond rating as well. Exactly, correct? and with a good reserve fund. Um, we have a good bond rating. We have an excellent bond rating. We have an excellent bond rating. Well, okay. So, so this, this is a good start here with the budget. We're talking to Kat, Kathy Dahlkepper. She's the Erie County Executive. Gary Lee, the Director of Administration. We're going to uh, have more about the budget and much more about Erie County in a minute. We started our conversation about the budget, $457 million. And, and this year for 2020, it includes a quarter mil tax increase to cover a $6 million spending increase. So let's talk about that. Why do we have to spend $6 million this year more? So there are basically three drivers this year in terms of that um, amount of money that the budget has increased by. And uh, one of them is pension, one is health care, and the last is payroll. And um, I don't think this is much different than a lot of other uh, businesses when you're looking at where your expenses come from. So we can start with payroll. We um, instituted a new pay plan. It was uh, something the county council had recommended uh, we go out and bring a consultant in. We hadn't looked at our pay plan for over 20 years, for over two decades. Um, We went from nine different pay scales to one, making things much more equitable. Um, We had people working next to each other who basically had the same job or two people in the county and, and making very, very different salary levels, if maybe even if they'd walked in the door on the same day. So there was a lot of things that had happened over decades that needed to be fixed. Um, we also had certain positions where, and I'll, I'll make an example of our 911 call takers. Um, we would bring them in. Uh, their salary level, their hourly level was very low. Uh, we would train them up at a cost of almost $10,000 per person. And then Ashtabula County, Crawford County, Chautauqua County, State Police, they would grab them as soon as they had an opening because they were paying much, much more than we were. Wow. So we had to fix some of those issues uh, just in terms of 
you know, keeping the staff. That's we. Well, you had some kind of macro, you know, the tight, the tightness of the job market was really affecting the county. Well, that also. So that's another piece. So this needed to happen. So this pay plan, uh, the implementation of it uh, ended up, you know, being a pretty large chunk of this uh, money over time. We've got 1,200 employees. So, mm-hmm. so that had to happen. Um, the other thing that happened is we are self-insured, and we'd had a few good years of great claims history in this past year. Unfortunately, we had some fairly high claims. And, of course, so that went up 11%. Uh, I'm sorry, it went up 8%. Yeah. 8%. Okay, 8%. And then yeah. um, our pension uh, no, I'm sorry. The payroll went up 8%. The uh, health care went up 11%. And the pension went up 43%. How does that happen? Well, it happened for a few reasons. At the end of last year, there was a big crash in the market. We have to make up for that in this coming year. We think this is going to level off next year, but we had to make up for that uh, market loss. Uh, also, the pension board had made some assumptions that were not coming to fruition. So they had to make an adjustment. And so those really were the drivers that caused that pension. Now, the good thing is we have pretty much a fully funded pension. And so we're not like most other pensions, uh, you know, across the state and really across the nation. Ours is in a a good place. It's very healthy. We want to keep it that way. But unfortunately, this was just a perfect storm of a lot of things coming together. Do you see any, uh, just on on a total employment level, do you see any room for shrinkage of the, the workforce at the county because of the shrinkage of the overall county population? So what we're seeing is we've had a huge increase in our Office of Children and Youth Employment, and that's been state mandated. Uh, we had too many um, people in each caseload. And um, with the laws that were passed a few years back from the Sandusky uh Issues, you know, those child protective laws are really the toughest in the country. And so we have had to add quite a few people to those ranks. And is that, is, is there any partial funding for that yeah. one? Okay. 80% of that is funded by the state, okay. but we still have to, we still have to have do to 20%, 20 and yeah. we still have to do a pension. And, you yeah. know, we still have yeah. all those costs, healthcare costs and everything mm-hmm. else for that individual. Uh, the Office of Drug and Alcohol. Uh, we have added a significant number of people there because of this opioid crisis. Yeah. And, you know, so there's a cost to the county that's been huge. We're fighting this on all levels, and that's been another area. Unfortunately, we don't see the requests coming to the county from people and the needs uh, lessening. I'll give you another example. Um, we have restaurant inspectors who go out and inspect all our restaurants, and everyone loves food trucks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you add 60, 75 food trucks onto the streets of our communities, you now have to have a food inspector show up at every one of those food trucks, wow. which people don't think about. And they still have to go to the restaurant that's sitting there that's been there. And then you add on all these great festivals, and we all love them. Sure. And they all have food, and we all want to leave there uh, healthy, not sick at the end of the time at the festival. Was it cool for you guys to see the uh, the county health officials on the undercover yes. billionaire? <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. doing their job. They yeah, were they great. Were doing their job. <laughs> but people don't think about these things and how this, and, you know, how do we take care of this? Well, you know, we've got to put people out there to do yeah. these jobs. Um, you know, unfortunately, the jail isn't seeing any less uh, population. And so, so, so the touches to the county from the overall population are static, even though the population of the county is less. Well, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is that, and Joel, this never changes. These needs continue to be 
even though um, the dynamics may change, the needs are still there. So whether it's the Office of Children and Youth, uh, whether it's drug and alcohol, uh, whether it's our Erie County Prison, we still have to meet these needs. And that's what we're finding out with county government. Yeah. And much of it is mandated, too. Sure. I mean, we are mandated by state and sometimes federal law to do certain things. Um, and, and one of the things, uh, you know, many of our council members decry and we do also is these unfunded mandates, because sometimes sure. the states tell us we have to do things and they don't give us the resources to do it. Um, so we have to find a way to do that. Uh, you know, we are always looking at are there ways to trim? Are there ways to to reduce our staff? Are there ways to cut our costs? And we'll continue to do that. And um, I'll just give you an example on the healthcare side. We have implemented um, a pretty robust uh, wellness program. We actually are part of the blue zones that are in right. quarry. And we hope that this will help to continue to drive dra- down our healthcare costs. Um, but sometimes you just can't control when um, something big happens to someone's family member or to them, they themselves and costs. Can you talk about the, the seven jobs that you guys requested from the administration? And there's a 14 new jobs that are uh, as part of the new budget. Sure. Um, I'll start with health. So our health department, we are very lucky. There's only 10 freestanding health departments in Pennsylvania, and we have one. But healthcare is really changing. I mean, public health is really changing. It's mm-hmm. going from a model of infectious disease, uh, taking care of those type of things and hygiene, to really a model where we look at what are those social determinants of health? What are those global issues that are affecting our community health? And Blue Zones is a perfect example of how you kind of attack that. Um, so we have asked for some positions in the health department, which will help us get to that, help us keep our accreditation, which we were the first health department in Pennsylvania to be accredited, and that is something everyone should be proud of. So those are four of the positions. We've asked for an additional position in the library. We found that we have getting all sorts of requests, much more complicated requests for our heritage room, um, which is actually a great community treasure. Um, there's all sorts of information. Yeah, we had Debbie there. Lyon here uh, just a couple weeks there ago. There you so. go. So we have asked for a position in uh, the library. We asked for a position in our assessment office. Um, Scott Moss is great. He leads that department. Uh, we are going to be moving towards another countywide reassessment in a um, probably three, four, five year time period. Um, we need to make sure we have the bench in place to be able to to do that kind of work. And so we've asked for um, an assistant uh, for Scott to be able to have the bandwidth. And, and understanding assessment, learning assessment, being able to lead that is something that's actually extremely complicated. Kathy Dahlkemper, uh, you, you've, you're having to add about 14 new jobs uh, for, for some of the needs that you're finding there. Uh, the last one was about data. Talk about that a second. County government is the owner or the holder, I should say, of all sorts of really important data. And um, a couple of years ago, we added a position in the planning department of a data analyst who's been working directly with the economic development uh, efforts and I think you've had Jeff Keeler on this uh, yeah. show before, but what we are looking at is all the data across all the departments and how can we better use that data to make data-driven decisions, not only in county government, but how can we better get that out to the other entities that are making decisions? And we really are the holder of a lot of the data in our community. Isn't that kind of a I shouldn't say a pivot, but is it new thinking for? politicians and those that run authorities and so on to operate from a data based 
uh, point of view vis-a-vis just the how how we've always done it or the gutting it out way yes. that generally authorities would do stuff like that. I think it's a very different way of thinking. I think our business world has been there for a while. A long time. But um, I'm involved in a group through uh, the National Association of Counties. It's a Gates Foundation funded entity and we are meeting and we're talking about economic mobility. How do we get people out of poverty? And we're actually looking at how do we use data to actually make our decisions to help people get out of that generational poverty. And it's very interesting as I'm looking and I'm traveling with this group around the country and we're looking at how other counties are really beginning to grab onto that data and make better, smarter uh, decisions that are actually moving the needle. So we need to do this in Erie County. We need to find a way to take our data and and really analyze it and and give it not only to me, me as the county executive and those who are in leadership in county government, but make sure that our businesses have it, make sure our nonprofits have it, make sure that it's out there for our other municipalities. And uh, that's something that I think we can do. We're here to serve the whole of community. And I think this data analyst will help us do that. that. So it's a, it's a quarter mil increase. It's about $25 in every hundred thousand. So, I mean, it's not going to break the bank for anybody. It's, it's it's never easy to raise taxes. And I, I I do not like to raise taxes. And Mm -hmm. um, when was last time we had a millage rate? Well, the last time the administration was uh, 2016 okay. that we put forth in, in county council uh, in 2017 and 2018, uh, they put forth uh, increases for tax. But the administration, the last time we proposed was 2016. And so we've had one every year, though. Yes. Yes. OK. Um, I want to while we're talking about budget, I want to ask about the reentry program, because uh, I know that they got a reprieve to the end of the year. But you were just talking about how, you know, the the the, um, uh, the demands on the jail don't mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. but they could change if we reduce recidivism. Is there money that could come from the county to help fund uh, Sheila uh, Silman and, and the, the Erie County uh, reentry program? From Unified Erie. So what we are going to do, hopefully, if it passes the budget, and this is something that um, Councilwoman Carol Lowell has been really um, advocating for a very, very long time, is that we would have a day report center. And it would be an alternative that a judge could sentence somebody to the day report center versus sentence them to the prison. Now, of course, this would not be anyone who's had a violent crime, but Mm -hmm. there are many people who end up in our jail who really could go to these day report centers. Um, And at the day report center, they can get uh, all the assistance they need, whether it be uh, drug and alcohol issues, mental health issues, housing issues. And what we've been talking to uh, Sheila Stillman and her cohort about is that they would actually be in the day report center because they have some services above and beyond a little bit more intense case management. And so those are actually four of the positions that are being asked for this year would be for this day report center. Those are all out of the court system, probation, and then a sheriff officer to be there every day. So um, when we met with them, our funding is going to, at this point, go to this day report center, which is something, honestly, we've been working on for years. And, um, and then we will work, though, collaboratively with them. Okay. So they would still need some kind of funding source, I would think. Yes. And they seem to be... Uh, feeling pretty confident that they might have found a source. Okay. They might have found an, an additional source. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And again, it could come from the state too, because sure. um, and, and most people, if they're a, a felon, they'll go to 
to the state penitentiary, and so um, they're reducing state costs as, as well. Exactly. At the, at the, they at all the come re-entry. to the county in the beginning. Exactly. Um, yeah. But if they get sentenced, you know, they go on to the state or the federal yeah. penitentiary. Okay. Let's let's uh, pivot. You mentioned redevelopment and, and, and commu- uh, economic development. Uh, you have a new head of the Erie County Redevelopment Authority, Tina Menjean. She's uh, she's a stalwart. Uh, she's she's been around uh, a lot of different places here. Um, and, a solid, a solid leader. Talk about what are some of your hopes and dreams for the Erie County Redevelopment Authority. Again, it, it's a required agency, right? State mandated agency. It, and it's very, very important to the economy of this region and the economic development ecosystem. So, um, you know, they've done a lot of good in the in a number of years. They took uh, $8 million and doubled it uh, to $16 million over the years. Uh, the board of the Redevelopment Authority, though, has been listening to what the whole ecosystem is saying and saying there's a one of the things we're missing. One of the missing pieces is uh, an entity that deals on the real estate side. Right. So the Redevelopment Authority, the Erie County Redevelopment Authority, has decided that they want to kind of move into that space. And it's really something that was kind of left out there hanging after Develop Erie collapsed. So with that, um, they're bringing in new leadership and, and Tina Mangine will be the CEO. And then um, a Crawford County native uh, who's been down in uh, North Carolina, I believe, uh, for quite a while, Christy Eichert, Eichert, uh, is coming and she'll be here next month. And she brings uh, just a wealth of information in terms of uh, what she's been able to do in North Carolina on the real estate side. So I think they're going to make a great team working very closely along with the uh, James Grunke and the chamber and with the city's uh, economic development team and yeah. economic development teams from Summit Township and all sorts of places. So it's I think it's going to be great. And I think you're going to see great things coming out of that organization. So they're all about having the land available when the ask is made. Exactly. I, mean, I mean, that was the whole rub that Mr. Grunke had told us is that I don't got anything for you if for an ask. Right. And this is what this organization has the ability to do. So that's something that the chamber doesn't have the ability to do. And they needed a partner within that ecosystem to step up. And so the board of the redevelopment authority said, we will step up and we'll take that. Another great piece of land, because I'm going to keep moving forward now, is Pleasant Ridge East. But there's been a bid for... Uh, uh, demolition. Can you talk about that, Gary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, as many know, th- this has been a, a very important initiative and project that the administration has looked into from really day one. Uh, back in the spring of 2014, we started, we had a, a committee with our architects, we had engineers, we had uh, general contractors, we had facilities and maintenance individuals to really see what could be utilized for this particular property? Is the building in bad shape? It is. Oh, it is. It is. Okay. It, it is in bad shape. And, you know, one of the very first when we had a general contractor who was part of the team, um, he had recommended um, demoing the building. Um, but we really wanted to explore all options and do our due diligence. And we did that. And one of the things that we found out is that we had an opportunity to sell the property and we were going to. Uh, sell it to actually hands. They were prepared to do a proposal and we, we went forward and submitted that request down to council. And it was only, by the way, we, we were going to subdivide the land. It was going to be less than five acres. Um, 
Council at that time decided no. They didn't want to go that route. Uh, they formed their own committee. They did a study, and one of the recommendations that they came back was, what's a demo in the building? Uh, we wanted to do more due diligence, and we had a actually contracted with an engineering and uh, firm to take a look at and provide us options. And we also looked at various uh, departments. Would there be a need, and would it be a good fit to perhaps move them up to that particular property? And no, there there is not. So finally, we landed on the position that it would be best to proceed and have the building demolished. Um, now, uh, council formed another committee, and uh, that committee came back with a recommendation of two studies. So here we are. The administration is now at the point. Um, I, I'm and, counting five or six studies here. You're exactly right. And it's been <laughs> it's been five years. So we're at a position where, by the way, for the operating costs, it, it, it averages about $50,000 per year. So we have uh, spent $250,000 and we're at a point where we don't want to continue going on spending $50,000 for a property that's not going to be utilized. And we really have put a lot of thought into this. So we're going to be recommending uh, moving forward to demo the building. Oh, that's that, that's that's sad to me because again, um, it was what the the county hospital was the TB hospital, right? Yes, I remember um, uh, doing my service projects from Mercier's Prep to the old folks that that were up there. Sure. And um, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of great history there, but yeah. unfortunately, sometimes these buildings, uh, just even the cost of the renovation with technology and sure. Uh, it, it's just uh, that's one reason why they closed the building, because uh, the cost of sprinkling it was so high mm. that they just couldn't um, make that work right. economically. Right. Um, we're going to talk a lot about community college next week. But can you get us an update, Gary, as far as where we stand um, uh, what's happening in Harrisburg? I, I think that that subcommittee meets one on Tuesday. That That is correct. It, the subcommittee is, uh, they're going to meet on Tuesday and they're going to uh, have a report, get an update, if you will, or a recommendation, shall I say, from the Department of Education, Pennsylvania Department of Education. Um, and then from that, the special review committee will, uh, of course, take those findings and recommendations, and then they will present uh, their recommendation to the full board. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to be meeting November 13th and the 14th. Um, as you know, this has been a very, very long journey. Uh, the administration has always been supportive of the application. We've never uh, changed our mind, uh, regardless of what reports or what articles you may read. We have always uh, supported this initiative. Uh, at one point, we were exploring with NPRC. That was not feasible. Um, but even if we were going to move down that road with NPRC, we had always stated that um, we would not do so unless everyone was on board as far as from Erie County uh, to make an agreement that we should withdraw the application. So now our full attention is on the application. Uh, we're looking for a favorable uh, vote. Um, because we're missing that particular link uh, yeah. for that uh, infrastructure. Uh, Kathy Delcover, do you think that your letter to the governor kind of got it off the dime a little bit? I think it helped. I certainly think it helped to yeah. uh, to move this forward. And, and we've been asking for a vote for a while. And that letter, I think, was pretty strong and helped to move that forward. I mean, I mean the governor had to br bring some leadership to this whole thing. Oh, he certainly has. And he's been supportive of a community college. He's never wavered on that. Um but we needed it in writing from him. Yeah. And um, obviously there's been a lot of other politics that have been involved on this. And there's been, um, I think we had to go down certain roads to get to the place we are today. Okay. Um, because I think we had to show that this is still um, 
the only way forward, the best way forward is, and that's to have an Erie County Community College. When we talked to the NPRC, they, you know, they were disappointed, and we had Linda Fleming here and, and Aldo Jackson. Um, they were disappointed because they they were not they are not fully orbed yet. They needed they still need a workplace development, a place to to do the welding and so on. And so I think they saw that this could be a nice little partnership and it you know and also bringing those state dollars to bear but uh, understanding that uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't have our own standalone college right and i think you know the mprc certainly has a place they've got a model that's working in certain areas and for certain students um, we've, we actually, Gary and myself, the administration has a, a good relationship with the NPRC leadership. Uh, we've talked to them that, you know, we get our application approved and we move forward. We're going to have a partnership with NPRC. We're going to work with them, um, throughout Erie County to make sure that we are collabor- collaboratively helping to create the workforce we need. Okay. Um, so regional buy-in, we're still, there's still this public relations campaign and, Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, we feel that it's, it's, it's still needed to educate and bring the public uh, into what's transpiring. We, we, we want to do this real time. So we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to fully understand and fully comprehend what it is that we're uh, attempting to do. Um, and, and Joel, I can say that as we continue to travel throughout the region, the more individuals are aware, not only aware, but more they're educated about what it is that we're attempting to invest in, um, the better informed they can make a decision on their own. And so we're starting to get very, very good questions. And we're, of course, we, we have answers for many of them, but some are unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an initiative that you talk about transformative. Um, this will transform Erie County to position us to continue to grow and have the prosperity that is deserved of this great county. And, and I think it's about the diversity of the, uh, of the access to advancing ourselves. Exactly. You know, um, we don't have any school in this community where anyone can go. You have to have a certain grade point average. You have to have achieved something. This allows people to get their foot in the door and achieve maybe what they weren't able to achieve in high school, maybe what they weren't able to achieve um, somewhere else and do it at a cost that's affordable. And that when I travel around the country and I do this a lot and I talked about my NACO Gates Foundation uh, group that I'm part of, no one can believe that we do not have a community college. There's not another county executive, another county commissioner pretty much that I talk to, unless you're from a very, very rural county that doesn't have one. And so the fact that we sit here for decades, uh, sending our tax dollars to the other 14 regions of Pennsylvania to support their community colleges, and we have nothing, and we are almost two hours drive from the closest one. That's, that is not accessible for our community. That is not allowing our people to get a quality education at an affordable price and let them get their foot in the door to that economic mobility piece, getting people out of maybe generational poverty, but also giving people who may be the first one in their family to ever go to school. Um, there's all sorts of people. The who senior maybe, adults be able to enjoy exactly. a, a, a new the, skill. The single parent single who parent. maybe, you know, wants to try something new, even the laid off GE worker. Now mm-hmm. Wabtech, we just heard another group of layoffs. Those people need to be retrained into some new position. What can we do with that? And this is going to give them the opportunity to find that training.
The article about the Erie County jail fees, I don't really understand what that's all about. Can you explain that, Gary? Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. One of the the county administration benchmark around the county for other prisons, just to take a look and say, where is our fee structure at the time in 2014? What we discovered. Again, the fees are about charging the inmates for the services that they receive i'm glad you're asking that joe it's over and first of all we do not charge when i and let me clarify this it's for extra things so when we house a prisoner at our uh facility okay there is a per dollar charge it's, it is minimum but if you work uh, it is waived, if you will. But this is for when we talk about this recovery fee, this is for over and above the food and shelter. This is for things like maybe if you wanted to get um, some chips or soda or things of that nature. Uh, this is what this is about. OK, so when we, what we found out is that this percentage fee that we used to uh, receive for the from the county prison was way below the average around the Commonwealth. Uh, other counties. So we just brought it up to a, a respectable feed. And that was one. Two, we also found out that this was a tool to assist us in behavior modification. Um, you know, I'm not going to attempt to try to portray that I'm a prison expert because I'm not. Um, but it is a it is a, a culture and environment that if you're not familiar with, you really have to have structure there. So they found this as a tool to assist and helping with behavior modification. Now, and again, it's not to be all to it, but it's just what's a tool to help. So in looking at the rest of the counties and bringing it up to a respectable percentage in line with the rest of the counties and looking at the behavior modification, we felt this was the right thing to do. And it has really helped. Um, we see assaults on inmates, assault on staff is down. Um, so it is, has been effective. So we we are the position that it is working. We want to continue to allow it to work. And and so county council came up with a, a request uh, or a vote to reduce it. And uh, Kathy Delcamer, you vetoed it. I did veto it because, again, yeah. As Gary said, neither one of us are prison experts, but I have to uh, go on the guidance of my um, warden yeah. and and the warden. And, and honestly, the corrections officers who work in the facility said, do not do this. They said, yeah. we have had this significant reduction in assaults. That's inmate on inmate and inmate on uh, corrections officers. Um, even to things like plumbing issues, they would sometimes unfortunately do devious things like stuff sheets and things down the toilet and they would stop it up. And then that's of course an expense. And and these things have pretty much ended since we did this. So they said they needed this as a tool. Um, the inmate who behaves and actually follows the rules, this doesn't even affect, it doesn't them. affect them. So it's really about that behavior modification. But there's this big pool of money that's owed the County. I, I'm trying to ask, uh, get my arms around that. Right. So it, that really Joel comes from individuals that are going through the process of returning recidivism. Yeah. So if they owed amount before they left, when they come back, it gets added on. Okay. So that's where that starts to uh, accumulate. But let me back up there. There, there still is an avenue if an inmate loved one um, would like to, a family member or friend, want to go a different route. They don't have to go. So they can actually order off the Internet from these vendors and select exactly what it is that they would want for their uh, 
the inmate that's okay. at the Erie County Prison, and they would not be impacted by this particular fee. So for the families and loved ones that, for whatever reason, don't want to go directly and deal with the prison as far as the accounts, there are other avenues. But as the county executive said, this only impacts individuals that are not following the proper procedures and policies of the prison. Okay. Uh, real quick, I've got about 30 seconds. Um, how are things going w- between the administration and county council? I mean, I think they're going fine. You know, we, they have, we have different roles, and there's always going to be some tug between yeah. that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of new faces yes, next year. we're going to have three, potentially four new faces. Um, it's going to be a, a pretty big sea change in uh, county council for next year. We've got some great candidates running, and I look forward to working with whoever wins those seats. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.